The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Leach Report. Coming to you from Baton Rouge, where the Wildcats will play against the LSU Tigers tonight. Kentucky up to number 13 in the coaches poll. Number 16 in the AP poll. LSU ranked number 21, but is a one-point favorite tonight. We'll talk about uh, Kentucky basketball and football with Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network, with Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com, and Chris Blair, who is the radio voice of the LSU Tigers. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington, and you can go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com to make your reservations for a fantastic meal accompanied with live jazz music every night of the week. Drive-up window now available, too, if you want to take Giuseppe's home. So Kentucky comes in having scored over 83 83 points or more in four consecutive games. They have been on a tear since that 66-62 loss up at Notre Dame on the second weekend in December. This will be an interesting challenge, however, because LSU is number one in the country in defensive efficiency, according to KenPalm.com. Tigers are number three in rebounding margin, so an area that is a strength for Kentucky is also a strength for LSU. Tigers are number one in steals, so they really feed off getting turnovers. Not a big, not a three-point shooting team to any greater degree than Kentucky. They're about the same in terms of the number of threes that they've made. So it's an LSU team that uh, is uh, somewhat like Kentucky in that it's strong on the boards, uh, that it is uh, gets a lot of points in the paint. Um, but um, LSU really uh, tries to, to get a lot of steals, gambles maybe a little bit, so maybe Kentucky can take advantage of that. This will be just the second game on an opponent's home floor for the Wildcats. First one didn't go well, as we know, so that'll be a, an interesting angle to this. The other thing, and we mentioned this briefly yesterday, but I'll give you a few more details. Tonight is another special ceremony. When Kentucky went up to Notre Dame, they uh, retired a jersey, for LaFonso Ellis, put him in their ring of honor, and they introduced their new football coach. Well, tonight they are going to rename the floor at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in honor of Coach Dale Brown. It is a long overdue honor, but and one well-deserved. Uh, but you knew whenever they did it, it was going to coincide with a Kentucky game. Um, coach Brown was was famous for um, you know making uh, big splashes when the Wildcats came to town. And LSU basketball went to new heights when Dale Brown came on the scene in the mid-'70s. And initially, he was hated by Kentucky fans. I remember a game where he took off his sport coat and tossed it to midcourt at Memorial Coliseum in Lexington. But Coach Brown also had a great respect for Kentucky's basketball tradition. And over the years, uh, especially after he got out of coaching, uh, it was much the same with Al McGuire. Kentucky fans came to uh, really love him. And um, he had a great relationship with folks like Oscar Combs and with our own Larry Vaught, who will uh, talk about that a little bit later on. So 
Uh, we, Mike and I always uh, get usually to see Coach Brown when we're down here doing a Kentucky-LSU game, so obviously we'll see him tonight. Uh, and then hopefully Kentucky can uh, take part in the, uh, the Love Fest and then spoil the party at the end by beating the Tigers. Davian Mintz yesterday uh, did the media session, and he said it's a statement opportunity for the Wildcats. He said, quote, we're to show that we're, quote, road warriors. We can come in your house and dominate the same way we do here. If they can, in fact, make that statement, it would be a, uh, a strong one for the Wildcats because they have been on quite a tear of late. But now's an opportunity to come into the other guy's home court. Um, by the way, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, who was on with us yesterday, uh, Kyle had a reporter report later in the day that Shaden Sharp is set to start practice with the Wildcats on Thursday. And we don't know beyond that. Would he be looking to play this season? Uh, he has uh, talked about just coming in and practicing, but also has left the door open to play. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. John Calipari will do... Obviously, a media session after the game tonight. I uh, don't know if it'll come up there, but I would think it certainly would uh, when he does his media session before the Georgia game on Friday. Ty Ty Washington, named co-freshman of the week in the SEC. Uh, one SEC game uh, postponed for the week at the moment. That's Mississippi State at Missouri because of uh, COVID. And Kentucky football's Katie McDaniel has found a new home. He is going to transfer to Central Florida. College hoops last night. Top five team went down on its home court. Wisconsin beat the Purdue Boilermakers 74-69. to Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report today. That page, that is at TomLeachKY.com. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. And we're in Baton Rouge for Kentucky and LSU tonight. We'll talk Kentucky basketball and football with Tom Hart when we come right back. Larry Vaughn a little later. And then the LSU radio voice, Chris Blair. All coming up on this Tuesday edition of the Leach Report from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Quarter past the top of the hour show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We welcome in Tom Hart to the program. Where are you working tonight, Mr. Hart? Good morning, Tom. I am in um, Houston, Texas, and we've got the Texas Bowl tonight. I'm ah. filling in on uh, another crew. Got a pinch hit assignment with uh, Tim Hasselbeck and Kelsey Riggs. and Got uh, an LSU team that has about 38 scholarship players taking the field tonight to uh, no play a pretty good Kansas State team. No scholarship quarterbacks for LSU, right? Zero scholarship quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. They, they will play uh, a variety of players at, at quarterback tonight. We'll probably see a, a wide receiver there. or might see a walk-on quarterback. might see a tight end. might see a running back. I don't know. I We were talking about this game last night after uh, meeting with the coaches, and I said, you know, college football is pretty funny. You, you, you never know what's going to happen. Two years ago, Baylor played a regular season game without a uh, quarterback, and they put a wide receiver at quarterback, and they ran for like 500 yards and won a game. So um, you you never know what to expect. Um, but I, I I said this to the um, LSU skeleton coaching staff. I think they have three three 
main coaches. They have some graduate assistants, some analysts filling in at different positions. I'm just happy they're taking the field. I mean, you know, we've we've had healthier teams with more numbers bow out of bowl games this year, and I think the I think LSU wanted to play. I think the kids wanted to play. I think the conference wanted them to play as well. Um, it's a with Texas A&M bowed out of the Gator Bowl. Um, I think that was five million dollars that was uh, taken out of the conference's coffers when when that happened. And um, doesn't sound like much, the grand scheme of things. But if you have multiple teams that start doing that, um, that's that's important money that gets um, taken away from from these budgets. No, very true. Um, we'll get back to football in a second. Let me get a little basketball with you with Kentucky LSU tonight. Uh, Kentucky looks a lot different than it did the last time it played on an opposing home court, which was up at Notre Dame on December the 11th. Um, four games of ripping and running since then. I'm sure you've caught uh, a few glimpses of the Cats. What has uh, caught your eye? Well, I'm curious because you're, you're there, right? I mean, what difference if anything and maybe i'm stretching here but um what difference do you see from a confidence standpoint uh, tremendous i mean they're playing with a lot of confidence now uh, that next game out in vegas a week after the notre dame loss um they really um you know got out in transition that's clearly where they're at their best the thing up at at notre dame i remember i've said this a couple of times to our listeners here kentucky at the shoot around Calipari was just emphasizing when the ball comes to you, be ready to shoot, and if you don't have a shot, know that you're going to drive, and if you're not going to drive, you're going to move the ball. But either way, you're not going to catch it, hold it there at your hip, and can I drive? The, you know, you're not going to think about it. You're going to know what you're going to do uh, or read the defender, and then boom. And they did just the opposite of that. The ball just stuck around the perimeter, and the only time they scored is when they dumped it into Oscar. <clears throat> so maybe the, the loss – uh, got drove the message home, but they really moved the ball now. They changed a little bit with opening up the the lane a little bit for uh, for Wheeler. The other thing I was told is that they uh, really started paying a, a dialing in more on the scouting report defensively. That uh, you know they uh, have been much better defensively, which also fuels them in transition. So um, you know that's that no no great magic pill or anything, but uh, they are rolling now again. They haven't played on anybody else's home court since the last time they lost, right. so that's right. going to be the interesting test tonight. Well, I think when when you deliver that message and you say "be ready to make a move," um, be ready to um, to act when you when you touch the ball, so don't stick. You you do two things to to keep players. Number one, you tell Xavier Wheeler um, you have a green light to get to the rim, and he's he's incredibly efficient in the paint, which um, you know belies his. Five nine size, and you tell Kellen Grady, go score. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Um, do what you're here to do. You're, you know how to put the ball in the hole. You did it at Davidson. You should be doing that here for us. And you know he's got the number two offensive rating in the in the country. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't foul, so he's able to stay on the floor for a while. He's he's out there to score, and that's kind of the confidence that we're talking about, right? Um, when you have a role on your team, I remember I, I talked to J.J. Redick when he was in the NBA. He was going through a, a tough time shooting the ball. And um, he said, he said, you got to understand, he said, if I take a shot and I miss it, 
and said, this, I'm still doing my job. When they give me, when they run a play for me, it's my job to shoot the ball. Whether there's a hand in my face or maybe I'm a little bit off balance or, um, they overplay it, it's, it's still my job to shoot the ball. That's what I'm on this team to do. And so when they put the play call in and we run a play for me, that's, that's my responsibility. And it really opened my eyes to, a, how the NBA operates, right, when you have job responsibilities and positional responsibilities, but also the, the thought of um, even though it might look like a rush shot, when you get it to your score, that's the best shot that you can that you can get. That's where you want to go with the ball. So that's, you know, when John Calipari says you've got to make a move with the ball and, and you're basically saying to Kellen Grady, we want you to take shots, um, that's incredibly freeing to a player to then know that um, you know I'm not going to get benched for taking a bad shot. I can go do uh, what I know how to do, and and you know obviously having Oscar Sheboy pulling down 24 yeah. percent of the offensive rebounds out there, I think 35 percent of of the defensive rebounds. That's um, that's an incredible weapon available to this team that nobody else has. Shift to a little football. Kentucky gets 10 wins for a second time in four years with another Citrus Bowl win. Um, you know, you've been around this league for a while. Uh, did, did you think Mark Stoops could get Kentucky where it is, and how much further can he go? That's a great question. Um, to me, it wasn't just 10 wins. It was the joy that you saw from that team. Um, and, and there is a difference you know, I worked the Rose Bowl a few nights ago, and Ohio State, quite frankly, didn't want to be there. And then, and then they got on the field and they competed. But it it was a it was almost, and it sounds really silly to say, but it was almost a letdown for Ohio State to be playing in the Rose Bowl, and they had four key players opt out. Um, Kentucky is in a very unique place in that they're playing in the Citrus Bowl, and the players, and the administrators, and the fans were absolutely thrilled to be there and they played like it and they're a 10-win team that now takes incredible momentum in the next season bringing the quarterback back and and so many other great players um so what's next and i think that question the first answer to that question comes with you know can kirby get past nick in a national championship and, and what does that do for georgia and if they don't then what kind of momentum does georgia have because the the first goal is to win the division and Georgia, from a talent standpoint, recruiting rankings, is um, it's almost second to none in the country, right? So um, you've got to take care of your business and make sure your program is rolling. I, quite frankly, I thought that there were other coaching opportunities for Mark Stoops and plenty of his assistants, and, and now everybody's, you know, there, there's more continuity there than I think in, in most places. And that, that leads to success. I mean, that leads not, not only to recruiting success, but now you've played in big games and you know what it's like to win multiple New Year's Day bowl games. And it becomes a point where you can still be excited about those games, but it's not, it's not some strange land. And so you start to hope and prepare for, for even better. Uh, I thought it was a tremendous step forward. I thought it was the biggest, uh, postseason win for the SEC. Maybe, Maybe Arkansas's win against Penn State was right behind him because that was a team that, you know, surprised people with nine wins. Um, and Kentucky certainly outperformed expectations all year long. Tom Hart, thank you much. Uh, we will uh, see you at some point on the basketball trail, I'm sure. 
Look forward to it, Tom. Thanks again. Tom Hart, ESPN, the SEC Network, and we will be right back with Larry Vaught. It is the Leach Report coming to you from Baton Rouge. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. 27 past the top of the hour. Coming to you from Baton Rouge with the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Larry Vaught joins us now from Vaughtsviews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. Kentucky basketball is on quite a roll heading into its second SEC game tonight here at uh, LSU, Larry. What is uh, impressed you most about this resurgence for the Wildcats? I, I think, Tom, just the pace that the team is playing with right now and the confidence that it has in, and, is, and is showing up in the way they're making shots, it's just really fun to watch. You can tell the guys on the court are having fun, the, the moving the ball really well, and just getting up and down the court so much better than what they did early in the season. They uh, are. I always thought this would be a, a fun team to watch. I told friends of mine that uh, you know think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch uh, than certainly last season's team. And yeah, a lot of that is, is winning, obviously. But just you know that team, the ball didn't move, players didn't move, and uh, you know this after that Notre Dame game, I was uh, was a little concerned that maybe I uh, didn't what uh, what I saw was it uh, as much there as I thought it was. But now it's uh, it certainly looked like a, a team that we thought it was going to be in these last two and a half weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that's one big difference in the team this year is the fact that it learned from what happened to it at Notre Dame, where last year it seemed like that team just never learned what it had to do to get better. This team took that loss, put it put it to good use, found out what it couldn't do or shouldn't be doing, and has changed that. And, and all these guys have, have seemed to accept their roles so well that, yeah, tonight's a big game for them, but still you feel really good about what lies ahead for the rest of this season. Nothing like uh, scoring points. Calipari says you know, once you need to score 75 or 80 a game these days. And uh, last year, even last year, as bad as it was, when they got to 80, they uh, won, I think, five out of six games, and the other one was like an 81-80 loss. So scoring points is a real good thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Larry Fawcett's with us. We're halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops across the bluegrass. Stop into the Clark's Cafes when you're filling up your car. Fill up yourself with some fantastic food. They have great fried chicken at the Clark's locations. We'll be right back with Larry Vaughn. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Our show served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we get back to our chat with Larry Vaught, VaughtsViews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. Tonight, Larry here in Baton Rouge, they will rename the court at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in honor of Coach Dale Brown. As I said earlier, much-deserved honor, and uh, you came to uh, get to know one of several media folks that really came to get to know Coach Brown well over the years, right? Yeah, I consider myself very very lucky, Tom, to have built a friendship with Dale over his what, 25 years there at, at LSU and still continue to still talk to him probably about 
once a week or so. So, uh, terrific honor tonight. Uh, he actually invited me into his uh, dressing room when he gave his final pre-game talk at the SEC tournament the year when he lost and that ended his career and was at the SEC tournament the year he decided to not sleep until his team lost and <laughs> set up almost all night with him one night in his hotel room when he, when he was doing that. So there's been a lot of experiences with Dale Brown over the years, but it always was terrific to me. And, and it, a lot of U.K. fans, uh, I think, didn't like Dale a whole lot when he coached because he was so passionate and enthusiastic and energetic about trying to beat Kentucky because he knew if he was going to be able to have success, that's what he had to do. But I think since his retirement almost 25 years ago, the people have found out just the respect and admiration he has for Kentucky basketball. So probably only fitting that they named the court in his honor on a night that Kentucky's in Baton Rouge playing. Oh, absolutely. And and, uh, as I said earlier, you knew it would be when Kentucky came to town when they uh, did this, and uh, it's something they should have done uh, a while back. He, you know, came on the scene in the early '70s. In those days, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Mike Pratt uh, would tell you this was the Tennessee was the big rival for the Wildcats through the '60s and uh, into the early '70s with Ray Mears, and you know that that continued through um, most of the '70s. But as the '70s ended and he got into the '80s, LSU became the rival. Um, they uh, won an SEC championship and went to a Final Four in 81, and they were the team that was knocking heads with Kentucky and uh, Coach Hall's uh, teams for uh, the top spot in the SEC every year and to, to be a Final Four contender. And uh, I, I said earlier, it was kind of like with Al McGuire, who Kentucky fans hated but came to love because you, you found out uh, that he, uh, Coach Brown, really had a great respect and love for the Kentucky program. Yeah, he, he sure did, Tom. And, and again, he, he competed really hard against them. I've, and I've been with Dale many times when he talked about that some of his best wins and memories were against Kentucky. And some of his worst losses and memories were against Kentucky. So he kind of rode the roller coaster of emotion in those games against Kentucky. But, I mean, he has terrific respect for I hear him talk a lot about Joe Hall. He talks a lot about... Tubby Smith. He really likes John Calipari. Uh, a lot of the former UK players. I mean, he's a huge Kenny Walker fan. Talks about Kenny uh, all the time now, and and still calls from time to time just to me to chat about Kentucky basketball, things that he's seen, things that he things that he wonders about. So he still keeps up with things very very well, and uh, he, he's just a unique individual, as you know. There's not much that Dale wouldn't try, and has ventured out in life and had a lot of terrific experiences and. Uh, not a not a better guy, in my opinion. So to see Tubby Smith's jersey retired and Dale Brown court name for him in, in a five day period here, that's a pretty sweet thing. And back in the eighties, nobody would have thought Joe B. Hall and Denny Crum could ever be friends and eventually do a radio show together. And probably the second name on that list uh, would have been Dale Brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. So, so sometimes when when you're not coaching, things can change a lot, can't they? Absolutely. Um, I uh, hated I missed the uh, the tubby ceremony because I had to be in uh, Orlando, but it seemed like that went really well. It, it did. It was just terrific. And you knew it was going to go well when about 40 minutes before the game, tubby was already out on the court and fans were chanting tubby, and he was signing autographs, posing for pictures, and 
shaking hands like he like he always does, and you could tell he was just soaking in that atmosphere and loving every minute of it. And fans were so gracious to Tubby, and it was a long overdue what Kentucky did for him. But to even pass out Tubby Smith posters after the game, I thought was a really nice touch, and the ceremony was just terrific. And for and for John Calipari to bring his players out there, let them kind of witness and and see what part of Kentucky basketball history was like. And then to give them all Tubby Smith T-shirts after the game and, and Ty-Ty Warsh even wore his to the to the press conference. So it, it was just a really neat neat day, kind of a bucket list item for me, I think, because I'm not sure everybody remembers how historic it was when Kentucky hired T- Tubby Smith and, and some of the success that he had. And it was kind of unfortunate the way that uh, his career ended at Kentucky, or his time ended at Kentucky. So it was really nice to see him get his moment in the spotlight there. Let's get back to the current Kentucky team. You caught up with Ty Ty Washington's dad. People can read the story at vaultsviews.com. Uh, and uh, he thinks uh, there's still a lot of upside for his son, right? Yeah, he said he's been very impressed with the maturity that his son has shown, but that he doesn't think we've seen near all that there is from Ty Ty, which is kind of the same thing that. Davion Mintz said yesterday, so it kind of makes you wonder what else we could see from him because I think he's been really, really good so far. So if there's more left in that tank that we haven't seen, that that's going to really be something special. But but T. Washington, who is a really good point guard himself back at, back at his playing time, says there's just things that his son hadn't quite put out there yet that he can still do if he needs to do. So I think this next couple of months we could see Ty Ty – just round and do even better. I know Will Wade talked yesterday but he thought that Ty Ty was a definite first-round draft choice already, so he's done a lot to impress, but according to his dad, we're going to see more. Talk with Larry Vaught. You can read uh, that story and more of his U.K. coverage at vaughtsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com, and on Twitter it is at vaughtsviews. Um, Kentucky football, uh, you and I, over the years, have uh, tended to be more of on the optimistic side of uh, you know how, how much upside there could be. Uh, so, what's your take on where Kentucky is right now relative to what you thought when Mark Stoops got the job? Oh, well, just light years above. I mean, I, I thought Mark Stoops would have a chance to be successful, but you told me two ten win seasons in four years. There's only when there's only been two ten win seasons in the history of Kentucky football. I don't think I could have ever foreseen that. And in fact, we have a ten win season this year. When you you're even a little disappointed that it that it wasn't better. I never thought I would see that. So Mark has just done a fantastic job, and to be able to win a bowl game against a good Iowa team with the number of players they had out for various reasons. It's just mind-boggling to me. I never thought I'd see a Kentucky team with that kind of depth. And as Vince Barrow told us Sunday morning, uh, he came to Kentucky recruiting, trying to win six games and trying to get to a bowl game. Now he's recruiting to try to win a national championship. And I know people say, well, let's settle down, let's win the SEC East. Well, I think winning the SEC East and winning a national championship are kind of the same thing, that you've got to be able to uh, just take that you're going to be able to win the SEC or you can't play in a national championship, so I think that's what he was meaning. He's not looking past SEC, but you got to recruit that well to be able to win the SEC East, and the SEC is to be a national championship team. So uh, Vince was really, really good. I mean, he, he's been terrific at what he's done, and, and it's just been amazing the way that they have brought in talent, developed talent, 
kept talent here and just kept things going. And, I mean, you really see no reason to think it's going to stop anytime soon. No, you don't. And uh, some amazing individual performances. Obviously, uh, the uh, the MVP of the bowl was Wandale Robinson. That uh, was just incredible what he did. Uh, Chris Rodriguez got probably a little overshadowed. Uh, another 100-yard rushing game, school record ninth one of those. Got the winning touchdown with an incredible run when it looked like he was going to be dropped for a three-yard loss. But uh, I, I just continue to be amazed when I think back on DeAndre Square and playing through pain. I mean, he, you know, it's like that scene from the movie Miracle where, you know, the uh, coach asks the doctor, can he hurt it anymore? Uh, sometimes, you know, you're, you're injured, but you, you're not going to hurt it anymore if you play, but it's going to hurt like hell. <laughs> and it did for yeah. DeAndre Square. Yeah, I think that's certainly one of the better storybook endings ever in Kentucky football for Wandale to make the play that he made. Then you still need the really good run by Chris to put it into the end zone. And then you have to have the linebacker limp out there and get the get the pass rush from Yusuf Corker and then DeAndre to make a ter- – I mean, that was a terrific interception. I mean, I don't know if a lot of receivers would have made that catch. And he goes down and gets that ball – and comes up with that smile and everything. It was just one of those games where you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, I can't believe Kentucky's going to let this one get away. And it's like, wow, they won that game. I mean, I think you'll just remember this one forever. I saw this morning that Oscar Cohn was tweeted out. He wasn't he wasn't sure where this ranked among the U.K. football wins that he's seen, but it, but it has to be top five, and, and I would agree with him because there's been some special moments during the U.K. football here, but I don't know that this one, that there's been many better than it. Larry Vaught, thank you much. All right, Tom. Larry Vaught joins us Tuesdays here on the Leach Report. Got to get to a break. Chris Blair from the LSU Network. Give us a scouting report on the Tigers when we come right back. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They're in Hamburg and in Palomar. WildEggs.com is where you go to get onto the wait list when you're heading out for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Cuts down your wait time when you get there. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Coming to you from Baton Rouge, where Kentucky takes on LSU tonight. Joining us now is the radio voice of the Bayou Bengals, Chris Blair. Chris, thanks for coming on. No problem, Tom. Good to be uh, with you once again. Get ready for a. Uh... What should be a great basketball game. Yes, it uh, should be a lot of uh, fun with the ceremony for Coach Brown being a part of the festivities, um, naming the court in his honor. Uh, but let's talk first about this LSU team. Uh, just one loss, and that was the most recent outing uh, when they ran into a buzzsaw from Auburn, which is playing maybe as well as anybody in the country right now. What uh, has been the key to LSU's success this season? You know, I think it's been, you know, the ability for so many new pieces for Coach Will Wade to be able to, to mesh uh, as early as they have. I mean, obviously, Darius Day's returning. Um, and, and you had Eric Gaines, who played a small role last year in a freshman campaign. Uh, but outside of that, you know, the, the main pieces, uh, Xavier Pinson, who Kentucky fans obviously remember from his time at Missouri, uh, coming in to transfer. Uh, Tari Eason coming in from Cincinnati, which they may be familiar with, really has, uh, you know, become probably the key piece of the team so far. Uh, but the unselfish play, 
uh, and the ability to kind of know where everybody is on the floor it has been impressive just simply the way they've been able to, to coalesce together as a team. Uh, shot selection is, is much improved, although they kind of slipped a little bit against Auburn, uh, attempting 16 threes in the first half. That is not the strength of this LSU team. They're more of, uh, you know, driving and getting to the rim. Uh, but overall, I think that's been the key piece. And then defensively, uh, everybody remembers the, the 40 minutes of hell with Nolan Richardson at Arkansas in years past. Uh, this is a team that, for at least LSU fans, uh, plays defense uh, like we have not seen in, in many, many years. They they get after you for 40 solid minutes. Yeah, let's talk about that because they lead the nation in uh, defensive efficiency, according to KenPalm.com, the number one in the league in steals. So are they extending their defense and pressing? Are they um, trapping a lot, playing some zone? I don't know. What are, what are they doing? Yeah, they, they will press, uh, you know, on made baskets, uh, made free throws. They like to get out there and press and really just kind of disrupt things offensively. And, and the hope is, obviously, that, that once you, you fight to get it across, uh, maybe you've got, uh, you know, 12, 15 seconds to, to hurry your, your half-court offense. So they try to just speed the game up in that way. Um, and there's not a lot of trapping. Um, uh, there's a lot of double teams uh, down in the paint. Uh, it helps having a guy like Ethan Reed. Uh, he's uh, more of a gold uh, rim protector than LSU's had. It's been a couple of years since they've had anybody of that size and that skill. Uh, but they just really have really good on-the-ball defenders, uh, Tom, and it starts, again, with Xavier Pinson. Uh, Eric Gaines, who typically comes off the bench, is also very good, got great hands, uh, has an innate ability uh, to get his hands on the ball. Um, so I think it's, it really starts with just fundamental sound on-the-ball defense um, and then again, as I said, they're going to press you from, from start to finish. Offensively, is there a guy that they run things through, key guy, or is it more of a collective effort? It's interesting because the, the aforementioned Tari Eason is, is, you know, comes off the bench. I mean, he's been the, the, the sixth man all season long, um, and he's the spark. Uh, obviously, Pinson um, is averaging double figures, but Tari Eason is the leading scorer. Uh, various days, again, has been streaky from outside, uh, but he's a guy they, they count on uh, against the double figures. In fact, I think LSU something like 27-2 and two, uh, the last two seasons when, when Darius is in double figures. So, um, you know, those are kind of the main scores. And then they've been able to, again, with some of these other young pieces, haven't had to rely on the same, you know, four guys. as Brandon Murray, who hopefully is going to be back to 100%. He did not play in the Auburn contest. Uh, he's a member of the starting five. He's a talented freshman. Uh, you know, he has the ability to score as well. So um, it's, it's it's kind of been different guys on different nights, but typically three to four Tigers uh, you can expect to see in double figures unless things don't go well. We were talking about this on the, the ride from the airport to the hotel in terms of the UK group. Uh, LSU has a bowl game tonight against Kansas State and Texas Bowl. Uh, it's a huge basketball game with Kentucky in town and the renaming the court for Dale Brown. Is there much uh, – will the, will the football game take away much from the basketball crowd at all, or, or or will it not affect it at all? You know, I don't think so. And, and the reason is it just so happens that LSU obviously did not have a stellar football campaign, but they did enough down the stretch to, to get into a bowl, and they're going to Houston, which happens to be the largest group of LSU alumni – outside of South Louisiana. Uh, so we were told that, you know, over 50,000 tickets were sold uh, at NRG Stadium. 
but a good number of that are going to be Houston area LSU fans who get a chance to to just commute 20 to 30 minutes to see the Tigers play as opposed to four-plus hours. Um, and the excitement, obviously, for, for Kentucky being in town as it is everywhere they go. Uh, and LSU putting together a pretty good team. And Coach Brown having the court named after him. I, I think you'll have the, the, the core LSU basketball fans, uh, certainly 10,000 strong, will be inside the Maribyrd Center. They'll be excited tonight. I don't think there'll be many empty seats there. And, and the LSU football fans, uh, the diehards will make the trip over here, and then I think the rest will be the Houston alum. Uh, where are you? Uh, I should have asked you. Are you in Houston or, in, or doing the game here? Yes, I'm in, I'm in Houston, so I'll be actually handling football later tonight with a kickoff after 8 o'clock. Uh, and then Patrick Wright, who's 30-plus uh, years uh, with women's basketball, will get the opportunity. He called the women's game on Sunday, had the women's coaches show last night. He will handle Kentucky LSU men's basketball tonight on the network. Yeah, that's the way uh, we've always handled it, too, is just finish up the football season uh, with the bowl game and then uh, uh, shift over to uh, basketball's regular season. So uh, I think everybody seems to uh, handle it that way. Chris, thank you very much for the time. You got it, Tom. Have a great call tonight. It should be a great game. Thanks. Sorry we'll miss you. We'll see you in uh, Tampa uh, by, or at the uh, end of the year for the SEC tournament. Or I guess in Lexington. There is a return game, so we'll see you there. Thanks, yeah, Chris. I'll see you back in Lexington soon. Yeah, this is one of the games that uh, Kentucky played, one of the teams Kentucky plays twice this season. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Final segment of our show for this Tuesday, game day for John Calipari's Kentucky basketball team. Uh, golf note, some good news here for golf fans in the central Kentucky area. The RNA, the Royal and Ancient Golf Club uh, in uh, Great Britain, uh, or the United Kingdom, I guess I should say, has announced that the 22 uh, Barbasol Championship in Lexington, is, or in the central Kentucky, I guess it's uh, technically in Jessamine County, will provide the final slot into the British Open. So that should certainly enhance the overall caliber of the field competing for a slot in the British Open if they win the Barbasol Championship. So congrats to the folks with the Barbasol. We'll see you tomorrow. Actually, I'll be Dick Gabriel sitting here tomorrow to recap Kentucky LSU. So I'll see you on Thursday here on the Leach Report. The podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time.